listeners out there. I'm uh, currently on the airwaves with Jody Krangle. Introduce yourself and uh, tell everyone what you do. Uh, okay, <laughs> leave it to me. Yes. <laughs> I am a voice actor. I've been um, voicing for a little over 12 years now. I'm a singer. I'm a geeky fangirl, <laughs> a computer person from way back when DOS was new. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it right there. <laughs> So what got you into voice acting back in the days? Uh, well, I started, uh, I, I've always had a love of computers. I've always had a love of the internet. That was sort of how I taught myself how to leave a dead-end job. <laughs> um, and uh, I like doing things on my own. So I, for a while, used to do internet marketing and SEO. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a great start especially using the internet, learning how it worked and using it to my advantage and to my client's advantage. And then I got really bored right around 2007 when Google became the only game in town. Um, I mean, I remember the Alta Vista days. I remember Ask Jeeves. I remember like all of these older, you know, search engines when Yahoo actually was a going concern. <laughs> Um, you know, and it just got so boring just operating on worrying on one search engine. So, you know, I just sort of decided it was time for a change. And I had always had in the back of my head that I wanted to use my voice for something. Originally, it was singing, but that's not exactly, unfortunately, an easy way to make a living. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, when it comes to the arts, mm, we're not so great on paying people for their talent, <laughs> unless they're Taylor Swift. <laughs> you know, which good on her. She's a great businesswoman. She's done great things. And there are a lot of artists like her. And that's fantastic in a whole bunch of different genres. That's great. But I didn't feel that kind of drive. So... To use my voice, I figured I had had this sort of thing in the back of my head. I'd done some volunteer work for the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And this was back in 95, 96. So we were still using reel-to-reels. <laughs> this is <Wow>. way back. <laughs> and I'd gotten the bug kind of then because I really liked the tech almost as much as I liked the speaking. And it is amazing how much like HTML cutting and pasting in an audio, they're kind of similar. It's kind of a, a, a weird um, synergy, I guess. And when I was using the internet in the early days, I was learning how to make websites. I had learned how to use the huge VAT machine in university to print out my essays and laser printing. And that was all word processing markup language, which had a remarkable similarity to HTML. Mm, okay. <laughs> so it all kind of led into the cutting and pasting of digital audio. Weirdly, they have a kind of uh, similarity to me anyway. I don't know if they do to anyone else, but... <laughs> um, 
So I found that I didn't find the editing part of it all that difficult and I have a good ear. So being able to hear where there were mistakes or clicks or anything like that and being able to fix them was part of what I was able to do. And I went on the internet and I just learned everything that I could possibly learn. And in 2007, I just made a focus switch. So no longer was I doing internet and SEO, I was doing voiceover. And <laughs> I just put myself out there. I had equipment. I got more equipment as I went along. I learned from people who were very kind in taking me under their wing and teaching me the ropes. And, uh, and it was just kind of something that went from there. And experience is how you get further in, you know, and you tailor your career to what you want to be doing. So someone who really loves audiobooks or is a theater major or, you know, really loved the acting aspect would probably go into things like audiobooks and cartoons and video games. That wasn't my trajectory because I was more of a musician singer. So my trajectory was advertising and I just kind of love it. So I get to help advertisers and marketers reach their audience on a more visceral level because the voice, as I talk about in my own podcast, uh, is, is pretty emotional and it gets straight to your heart and it reaches you right where you live. So I, I find that an interesting um, challenge and an interesting just a, a, a philosophy almost. <laughs> Do you feel like you had an advantage because you were so well-versed with the internet that when you made that transition, that self-promotion became that much easier for you? Oh, totally. It was definitely a leg up. Not necessarily that I went all out on the SEO myself, but I knew what the good elements of a website would be. And I knew how important a website would be in the first place. So knowing that and knowing how important that website is and being found in the search engines, well, in Google, <laughs> uh, you know, how important that really is and how wonderful it makes a career because it's so easy to be found and people are just walking in your door. That's gold <laughs> right there. So, yeah, it definitely helped. <laughs> yeah, back in the days of uh, Netscape Navigator. Yes. <laughs> Netscape Communicator. Do you remember GeoCities? Oh, I remember all of it. I remember all of it. We could do this all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it? Was it um, Lycos? Yeah, Lycos. Yes, Lycos. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, my next question involves mm -hmm. equipment. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as a voice actor, actress, however you want to uh, actor call it. is usually the term. Yeah, actor. Okay. So, mm -hmm. as a voice actor, I'm sure the equipment is very important to you. Sure. Um, what is your current set of equipment right now that you're working with? Right now, I have a really simple chain. For me, uh, the sound treatment of the booth that I'm in is pretty important because having that dead sound allows a producer to take my audio and just color it the way they want. Mm -hmm. So if I give them a blank slate, they can do whatever they want with it and make it fit anywhere. That's kind of my job to make it easy on them. 
So my audio interface is a Motu Microbook and it's like an old one. It's the, the silver box. It's like the first one they made. <laughs> so it's, but it's a simple chain. I have a Sennheiser 416, which is what I'm talking into right now. Mm-hmm. It's what they call a shotgun mic. So it's basically what they use on film sets as booms. So, you know, like those, those are what you see, the, the big, long, oblong things that are covered in uh, a, um, uh, what do you call it? I'll even, I'll show it to you. It's, it's this thing right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't see it on the, of course, you won't see it on the audio, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess it's a, I don't know what you call these things. My brain is like totally blanking on it, but, I know, but I know you those. see them on poles. Yeah. You see, you see them whenever somebody's uh, filming in your neighborhood. Yes, there's, there's exactly. The, there's the guy holding a stick. Uh, and he's got it's got like a long it looks it almost looks like a, a scythe or, or yeah yeah or like a hockey stick just pointed up in a different direction yeah Similar. they're big long oblong mics but they really make the voice pop and it turns out that previous voice actors thought that this was a great microphone for promo and for commercials and stuff like that because it makes the voice pop outside of the music it just brings it to the forefront a little bit, which really works well when you're talking about advertising and corporate narration and that kind of thing, Mm. where they are making a production, but the voice is meant to be showcased along with the visuals a little more than the music. So that's one mic. I have a TLM 103, which is a Neumann, um, and that one I use for singing. So, because it's a bit, it's a condenser mic. It picks up everything. I'm, <laughs> like I'm everything. On, I'm talking on one now. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great mic, but I use it very sparingly. And not usually for my, for my clients because the 416 really does work better for the advertising genre. Um, also, it's a great mic to travel with because it's very directional. So if you're in a hotel room and you have to record on the fly, it's a lot easier to get a good sound out of that because it's not getting audio from all around it. It's only getting from a specific angle. So if you are in front of it at that specific angle, then it's not going to take all the noise of your environment and uh, put it into the recording. Just makes it a little easier to, to not have to worry about that. I've, I took a audio class uh, tech about a couple months ago, or maybe a month mm-hmm. or so, and it was interesting. The guy mentioned that shotgun mics were for specifically for a specific usage, mm-hmm. but he didn't mention that it would be good for voiceovers. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's interesting what you hear from different people who do audio. Like the, mm-hmm. he, he mentioned dynamic mics, you know, the stuff that they have on stage that's most singers use. That's yes. usually what most people talk into. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you're saying that the shotgun is the one that you prefer for what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a condenser mic in the sense that it's it's not um, it's not dynamic. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it has a really good sound. 
And it really depends on what your voice is because different voices work better with different mics and you need to experiment and decide what your voice sounds best on. I just happen to have found a couple of mics that really work well for me, but that's me. So it could be different for other people, certainly. And how did you find these mics? Did you just go to like a a local electronics place, try them out and just, that's it? Um, Yes and no. I, I have done that. The best way to do it is to have a friend that has one of them mm-hmm. and test it out where they are. Because really what you need to do is record your voice using it, especially if you're talking about voiceover, because it's how your voice sounds on the recording that is really going to decide whether or not that mic is good for you. Without knowing the recording, you don't know how your voice will sound to a producer. And, you know, really, that's that's your client. So you want them to be happy. <laughs> very much, very much. Or, or you don't have any work. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you mentioned you're in a booth. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a phone booth. But, uh, <laughs> no, although it's about as big. <laughs> yes. how, did, how did the booth come to be in your, in your house? Well, uh, for a while, I was using curtains hung up like moving blankets hung up like curtains in a square around me in a room mm-hmm. um, with a desk that had uh, a bit of um, like a corner that I could speak into that had some foam padding and stuff like that and it worked really well and it was a very cheap way to do what I do and you don't have to spend millions of dollars to do this. <laughs> uh, however, when I found that I had the the money to do it, and as soon as I could, I wanted to build something that would at least block out some of the sound around me and make for a very sound-treated environment. Because in voiceover, you want as dead a sound as possible, as I said before, so that the producer on the other end can color it the way they want to. You want to make as blank a slate for them as possible so that they can do what they do best. And... This booth, how long have I had it now? I think probably six years, something like that. It's a five by four booth. It's sound treated. It's actually made in segments. So each wall has two segments and uh, the ceiling and the floor and the door. (laughs) And I could unscrew this and take it with me wherever I happen to go. So that was the, the, the point of making it the way that that we did. And I actually had it custom built for me by a fellow who is a musician who does basements. Mm. (laughs) So he uh, is a contractor that does basements. He has his own little music studio in his home. So he knows the concepts of how to build the insulation and the sound treatment and all that kind of thing. And what I love about this booth is not only that it's modular, Uh, so I can take it apart and take it with me, but also that it's not covered inside with dark foam that will peel off and flake and whatever else. And it doesn't look like a tomb. Yeah, yeah. Because that's all all I see when I watch like TV shows and movies. Like every every recording booth looks like the inside of like an egg carton or something. Yeah, it totally does. And I mean, you know, people build it with their own sensibilities and, and, you know, advice from people who have good advice to give. (laughs) But because each of these walls is 
like thick <laughs> and it's already got the sound treatment in the wall, I don't need to necessarily put all this foam all over everywhere here. Cause I think if I did that, it would sound like I was in a box. And right now what you're looking at is light colored canvas covering everything. Yeah. It looks like you could, you could decorate it however you feel. Like if you wanted, you know, posters, posters of affirmation, if sure. you wanted to put flowers or, you know, I would use tape because I don't want to put any holes anywhere. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but yeah, it ended up costing around $6,000. So these things are not cheap, but it was custom made. I didn't have to order it from Spain. <laughs> that, that was, oof, that's, that's going to be the next question is. Yeah. There's a business, there must be a business behind this of the booth making. Oh, there are several. Oh, yeah. There's Whisper Booth. There's Studio Bricks, which is the one that I'm referring to. As much as I love the idea of Studio Bricks, and Studio Bricks, basically, they're put together like Lego. <laughs> so you get the pieces, and then you, like, you slip them in together. They kind of fit together, and you build it like you build a piece of, you know, something with Lego. <laughs> uh which is fantastic. And they do really, really good work. But because of where I am and because of where they are, shipping is super expensive. It's really, really heavy. And uh, like it probably would have cost me another $4,000 on top of what I already spent, if not more for what I have. So, you know, I didn't necessarily do it to save the money. I think I more did it so that I would be able to custom make what I wanted. That makes sense. That mm -hmm. makes sense. And you said, it, you said it, you can take it and travel. Have you ever had to go anywhere with your booth? Oh, no, no, no. When I say travel, I mean move. Okay. Okay. I <laughs> These walls are still heavy. <laughs> in, in my head, when I heard that it was kid move, I'm like, oh, well, maybe you can not necessarily for like a uh, one day or, or but maybe like if you're going away for a couple months, like maybe you take it to another location. Yeah, it, it would still be really heavy. Okay. I, I, I would still have to ship it. It wouldn't be something I could fit in the car. <laughs> okay. You can't just tuck it under uh, your arm and carry it? Uh, to the, yeah, no. To the no, I couldn't even lift one of these walls. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah that's pretty that's, big. But, but the idea being that it is at least modular enough that if I moved, I could take it and install it in a new house. It's not like a set place that has to be like torn down and rebuilt yes exactly okay. okay that's 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 interesting because i i'd never thought about the ability to move your recording space like obviously i know if you get a new place you know the the microphones and the mixers and the, the, like, mm -hmm. the entire electric electronical side of it that would have to move Yes. But I didn't I never thought that there was a way that you could move the booth as well without either tearing it or I didn't think it was made in ways that like as you said, there's a Lego version where you can just snap it together. This probably yeah. there's probably a, an IKEA type version where you just have some <laughs> screws you just put together. Like that's 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 fascinating. Yeah. And that's kind of the advantage of getting a studio bricks in that you can take it apart and bring it with you. It's still really heavy. You're not going to do it for a weekend. <laughs> right, right, right. But, uh, but yeah, if you move, that was part of the thought process behind making the booth, this one, the way that it is. 
in that I didn't want to have to just tear it down and abandon it or just leave it in wherever we are and build something new elsewhere. And I mean, who knows? By the time we move, maybe I'll end up building something brand new. Uh, You know, it's hard to say, but at least I have the option of bringing it with me if I want to. Right. And do you have a do you have a mobile setup as well if you want to record on the go or something like that? I do. Um, I am kind of an outlier in that way. However, as when I'm on vacation, I am on vacation. (laughs) So I will bring, you know, the minimum that I need to make a decent audition. And the rest of it, I will go and be in a studio. I'll go to a local studio if I need to record something for a client. It just makes sense to me, first of all, because it gives you the opportunity to make connections with different studios in different cities, Mm -hmm. which is always a good thing. And also it takes the pressure off of me to be the tech person as well as, you know, the voice actor while I'm on vacation. (laughs) Or not even vacation, but let's just say you're in another city. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, you're right. That that's, yeah. It just makes better. It makes sense to me, especially if I'm flying. Because bringing equipment when you're flying can be a bit of a harrowing uh, experience, you know, trying to get through TSA with, uh, <laughs> with, with a mic like this. <laughs> right. That's a challenge in and of itself. <laughs> right, right. The shotgun mics do. <laughs> yeah, don't call them a shotgun. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> uh, you end up with a quick pat down in, in a separate yeah. room. Yeah. yeah. Without fail, if I bring a mic like this with me, I always get searched. You've had, you've had uh, some horror oh, yeah. stories? Okay. Because it looks like it looks like a pipe bomb. I mean, <laughs> like it, it kind of does. I get it. I understand. It's a mic, but yeah, it, it, it in appears. A, in, a, in an x-ray machine, it doesn't look like a mic. <laughs> no, the x-ray machine is not kind. <laughs> 